Welcome to another week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we cover an artist, a band, perhaps three artists who are in a band and then are in other bands. And this week we're covering Blink-182. This is Caleb Robbins speaking. I'm here with Jared. And this is Tyler. And once again, this week we're talking about Blink-182. And how do we feel about listening to Blink-182 this week? I'm going to start with Jared. Go. I picked it. Uh, I liked it. I had not listened to some of the old albums all the way through before. Uh, I will say that the reason, one of the main reasons I picked Blink-182 is because I wanted to revisit the album Neighborhoods. I uh, watched a music video for one of the singles from that and was like, I really like this. And so I was like, as an excuse to be motivated to listen to this album, I wanted to go ahead and pick Blink. I think they're a one of the more influential pop punk bands and not just pop punk bands, but, you know, like um, pop rock bands, uh, you know, like especially for that time, you didn't have. A lot of groups that uh, had number one records at that time that were punk. So, which, you know, Tyler might not like that word for them, but I think it's probably fitting. Um, but yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed the, for the most part, what I listened to, there's some sketchy areas, but overall, good. I think that makes sense. Tyler, how did you feel? I've got a troubled history with Blink-182. I knew a lot of people in my formative years who were, who liked Blink-182. And uh, I told him, no, 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 this is dumb. This is not punk music. You're a liar and you're, you're fake. A fraud. But you know, they're okay for the most part. They have songs that I'm quite, I, I mean, I'm familiar with a handful of their songs over the course of their career. Right. You know, from, from pretty much all of their albums up until uh, neighborhoods, I know songs off of them. And uh, I've heard them before. Some of them I heard and didn't really know they were Blink-182, although it's kind of easy to determine. Although they did have a period where you could mistake some of their songs for Good Charlotte songs and what have you. Some 41, Simple Plan, so on and so right. forth, yeah. Right. Um, the genre itself is something that um, that is difficult for me because I like some pop punk, but I like a certain type of pop punk that I found, that I deemed was okay. And... I don't know why I, I didn't like it so much. I think because I think it was probably just difficult for me to deal with everyone trying to tell me to listen to it and everyone listening to it and no one ever listening to anything I tried to get listened to. So, you know, I'll admit that maybe some of it comes from a place that's not necessarily music based. Sure. But I don't know. They've got some stuff. Dude Ranch is fine. That's a pretty decent album. Enema of the State's pretty good. I, there are songs on the self-titled 03 album that I like for the most part. I mean... I think that they're songs that I am familiar with. I enjoy, but the rest of the stuff is just okay to me. It's it like, there's not a lot of variance in their music for me. And, um, I really hate Tom DeLonge's voice a lot. Uh, <laughs> I see. Do you like, and, uh, alkaline trio guy better? 
I do like Skiba? Alkaline Trio better. Yeah, Matt But Skiba? I think it's mostly because I just like Alkaline Trio better. That's fair, too. Yeah. Another I, trio. That's true. I thought it was funny because, like, well, when it comes to Skiba, it's odd because, like, part of the reason that I think um, Blink-182 kind of got some prominence is the, um, the contrast between Mark Hoppus and Tom DeLonge's voice. Mm-hmm. So you have Hoppus, who sings kind of from a lower register, and then obviously DeLonge, who has this kind of, like, nasally emo type you know voice so you have them going in different directions but then when you have skiba come in like him and hoppus have very similar like voices in a lot of ways so yeah. like Ske- sometimes you... no good. Huh? skiba is no good you don't think he's a good vocalist i don't like him he doesn't fit the rule i'm looking at a picture of him right now with a fender offset with humbuckers in it like a total d-bag i don't like him at all i thought you did like him. you just said you liked him no, I don't like Tom DeLonge's voice. No, we're talking about Skiba. I know. I'm I don't confused. like Skiba. So you like Alkaline Trio, but you don't like Skiba. I don't like him as a guitar player. Well, that is, <laughs> these are all different things. Oh, my goodness. I enjoy Alkaline Trio's music more. I don't like him in Blink-182. Okay. He doesn't fit into Blink-182. I agree. And I don't like that he plays offsets with humbuckers. That being said, Blink-182 versus Alkaline Trio, I prefer Alkaline Trio. I, I mean, like I agree because I think that Alkaline Trio, um, they have more often diversified their sound. I listened yes. to a little bit of Alkaline Trio just to kind of remember like what they sound like. They use pop signatures in their songs too. Mercy mm-hmm. Me has a pretty That's big a like song. pop chorus to it. Um, Calling on Skeletons is the same way where it's got a pretty yeah. big pop chorus to it. Um, but then like other songs like Burn, Burn's not really pop. You know, it's got a chorus, but not a pop chorus. Um, so I don't know. Alkaline Trio's got a little bit more variance to their sound. So him coming in again, I think that I don't want to say it's a step back for Skiba because it's a more prominent feature. Yes, by far for yeah. him. Alkaline Trio is not very popular at all. So coming into Blink One Eighty Two did a lot for him as a you know an artist. But I also don't know that it fits him like Tyler's saying, no. and I also don't know that he does a lot to stand out in the group. I think he's more prominent in the group just by being in the group and not that he's bringing something different to the group, I guess. Mm. So I don't think he brings, he doesn't bring anything as far as I can tell. I think I mean, it's the, more because me, that they stayed the same for the two albums that, um, that they did California and nine. Um, I don't know. I disagree to like a certain way. The guitar work on California and nine is like far less interesting than most of the earlier stuff. From what I from from my experience, I don't really. It's not. It lacks a certain melodic quality to it, and on top of that, the vocal the vocals are just ba- not there. They're not there because no. you don't have a dichotomy, right? And it's just kind of like it's not. It's also you people who like it, Blink One Eighty Two, like Tom DeLonge's voice, yeah, and like the way he sings. And this is not what you're getting at all. And that's like the like that's kind of a signature of Blink-182 and grew grew into being a signature of pop punk as well. Right. I mean, if you so look at like, ruined it. if you look at like the example of what will be considered forever as one of their most popular songs, I miss you. Mm-hmm. You know, if that was just Mark Hoppus doing hello there, like it wouldn't have been like that big of a song, but the fact that DeLong comes in with this super, you know, kind of whiny emo voice that's nasally kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what makes that song so popular with like the emo culture is yeah. the way that there's that dichotomy between the two. Very voices. memed song. It is. Where yeah. are you? Yeah. And I'm so. Yeah. You get the point. You stop that. I will. That's um, all. Yeah. That's yeah. the point. 
That's awful. What's the point? Yeah. Hmm? <laughs> this is horrible. What, anyway. What are you saying? His, he's, Tom DeLonge is an important figure in the band. I mean, they um, all are. When you have a trio, you have to have people who are important. I'm glad that T Travis Barker got better as a drummer over the course of their career instead of just staying the same. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like you can't. I don't even know why. Why go on post Tom DeLonge? I don't understand the decision to do that. Well, the funny thing is, so I I did a uh, quite a bit of research and like I just kind of basically read quite a bit about it, but. They were not going to get back together, and then Travis Barker was in a plane crash. Correct. That um, he had severe burns on his, uh, I think, arm and chest or something like that. And then another person that like works within the band, maybe a manager or something like that, was on the plane as well. And so when they found out that he had had this plane crash, um, both or one member went to go see him, and the other one wrote him a letter. <laughs> So this is okay. I wanted to talk about this. So I'm glad you brought this up. Really, is that they had two very contrasting uh, uh, yeah. responses. So Mark Hoppus basically immediately got on a plane and went straight to the hospital. Yes. He dropped everything and went. Yes. And Tom DeLonge sent him two pictures. Yeah. One of the pictures was them together as a band, uh -huh. and the other picture was of him with his family. And what he said was was what he wanted to do was he wanted to say. This is who and this is who I am now, which is oh like maybe not the time for that to matter, Tom. Oh, like Tom. maybe we should like go see that guy you had a band with for like a decade. Like you know. maybe yeah, go maybe care for a minute, Tom. Well, the other thing is the the all of the various um side project things that are interesting as well and that there's like hard feelings over a lot of that too. So there's lots of them. So yeah. um, a lot of tension in this group. Tom DeLong started uh, Angels and Airwaves, and mm -hmm. so while he was doing that, uh, Mark and um, Travis Barker started Plus Forty Four, and so Tom felt, I, I don't know, like, and then also there's the other group, uh, Red. What's it called? The Boxcar one. Yeah, the Boxcar. That one. actually came before. So yeah, what happened that was, was, early. was that Travis and Tom mm -hmm. did a collaboration for, what was it, Boxcar Racer? Racer? Yeah. yeah, Boxcar Racer. So they collaborated, and Mark was upset because yeah. he wasn't included in the collaboration yeah. for Boxcar, which was his uh, Tom's way of experimenting. Because yeah. basically the way that things shaped out was that Tom wanted to experiment more with their sound, and Travis and Mark wanted to kind of stay in the same lane. So he used that as an opportunity for him to go experiment. Mm -hmm. And then, like, Mark was like, well, why didn't I get to come? Well, you didn't get to come because you didn't want to experiment. Yeah. And that makes sense because even today he doesn't want to experiment. No. He wants to make the same music because when it comes down to it, like, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, negate the importance of Blink-182. That's yeah. not what I'm doing. No, I know. But Mark Hoppus is not a, di a dynamic artist at all. No, not he really. He has made the same music. Well, he's never really tried to grow as an artist, and no. he's continued to write the same songs and make the same songs he's made for nigh on 30 years. It's also, you can't, all right, there's two things I have to say about it. One, just because I'm in a band with you doesn't mean I have to do everything with you. There's only three right. of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he did and invite it's like, Travis. at some point, well, he was at just the session drummer for some of it. Like he, he's like, I want to have somebody, a drummer I trust. Uh, how about the drummer I've worked with for all this time? What you about know? a guitarist that I trust? 
No. <laughs> well, I mean, my point of this is that, is that well, you're, you know, your close friends, your bandmates, that's cool. But your bandmates for one band. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, and it doesn't mean that you have to drag along every person in the band to everything you do. Well, if it was a case that like, okay, so let's say that Tom, Travis, and Mark were all in Boxcar Racer, okay? That's just Blink. That's just Blink-182. Right, like, that's, exactly. that's, like, if you brought another well, But members, the idea would be you would just use that that music that you're making as a platform for Blink. That's right, the thing. Right. The, the Boxcar Racer, if it would have had um, Mark in it would have just been Blink-182 as an out. Like, Correct. But it just wouldn't weird. have no longer been a trio. They well, would have been bringing in new members. But that's what I'm saying. They have two different groups. They have Plus 44 and they have Boxcar Racer that both have two of three members right. that are side projects. And it's and so he also is another thing with Alex uh, Gaskarth of All Time Low, Mark Hoppus is. And so it's just like all of these various... Um, side project, super group, whatever you want to call them. And it's like, why don't you just take that creativity into Blink-182? Well, like, that's right. the other thing as well. That's the second point I have. It's yeah. like the only way to spread out and be creative in a different way is to find people who are trying to do the same thing as you or try to find people who can bring in the creative portions of what you want that you're missing. Like you're not creative when you're with the same people for every project. Right. You have to find other people that show you different things that you're not used to the creativity aspect of a collaboration doesn't really work when it's with the same three people all the time. Right. So if, if Tom wants to do something else, angels and airwaves, which is fairly different from Blink 182, yeah. it really yeah, like, quite a bit, quite, then you have to find other people who are one, not people you regularly collaborate with so they can bring out things in you and you can get things from them. And two people who are, have a similar like stylistic goal to what you have at that point in time. So it's just like, there's no, the animosity between it all is just nonsense in a way. You have to like get past the fact that, and this is like difficult. Like it's the same question that we've asked before is like, at what point do you just stop being the band that you've been and become something else? It's like you, the band Blink-182, what you are, what you three have together is an, is a finite thing. And at some point you're just like, it's going to be done. And if you want to do something else creatively, you're going to have to find other people or you can try to do it to yourself. But like when you bring in, a creative idea to a group that's already existing and the group that's already been doing one thing. And this is a dramatic shift. Most of the time, those people are not going to be willing to do it. And they're not going to be in the mindset to feed that creativity and play with that creativity from what you want. That's why you have to find other people. Well, I think, I mean, that's kind of the whole, so it's interesting the way that they even broke up, I guess we were kind of jumping a little farther ahead than I had thought we were going uh, yeah, to. But it's okay. I was, yeah. Yeah. Um, Weird. but I want to talk about the beginning too, because there's some interesting things. We should talk about the beginning as well. Let me wrap up this thought and then let's go back to the beginning. Um, so I find their breakup interesting because what had happened was, was that Tom had initially said that he wanted a six month hiatus. Mm-hmm. He wanted a break. He wanted to, you know, he wanted to stop touring for a minute. He wanted to just kind of recharge. And that was when they got their, uh, more of their animosity was again, Mark was like, no, that's too long. Like, he wasn't willing to take a break for Tom's sake. And they had families. Like, Mark had a family at that point. Uh, Tom had a family at that point. I think Travis might have I think he was engaged to uh, Miss America or something. I think so, yeah. So, like, they all had other things going on. So, Tom was like, can we just take a six-month breather? And Mark got mad about it. So, like, 
he just quit. He just stopped doing it. You know, like, okay, if I'm not doing six months, then we're just going to be done here. So, like, if you don't want to do a hiatus, we'll just call it quits for right now. So, you know, him going into Angels and Airwaves was kind of twofold. It was kind of Mark not allowing him to either experiment or take a break. And it was also a situation where, like, Tom wanted to experiment. Like, he was trying to not move forward and try something different. And we even, we'll get to it, but you even hear a little bit of it on their self-titled album. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a, a sonic change. One of the only albums, really, that you see that. Um, besides Neighborhoods. Besides Neighborhoods, I agree. And so, you know, he wanted to. He did it in Angels and Airwaves. I can understand where somebody might not like it, but it's different. So thank God. So um, so why don't we go ahead, before we transition back to the past, why don't we go ahead and see who someone's favorite song is? I will go ahead and go. Um, I will go ahead and say. So one thing is I like their, not quite ballads, but like ballad-ish songs. Um, I just think that they end up changing you know, the way that things sound on an album, because usually it's just pop, 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 you know, so on and so forth. Um, so I'm kind of torn between two songs, which is the one off of Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, which is Stay Together for the Kids, and then the one from Enema of the State, which is Adam's song. Both of those, I think, are really good um, kind of breathers in the album. So I'm going to play Adam's song. I did actually a little bit of research on it. So <clears throat> the title of the song is inspired by a sketch on Mr. Show, mm -hmm. the Bob Odenkirk, uh, David Cross comedy sketch show. Love them. Um, and then also there was some controversy around Adam's song. So it's it's a sad song, but it's supposed to invoke positivity and pulling through in times of depression and sadness. But a student who had gone to Columbine High School around the time of Columbine being a well-known place for a bad reason uh, ended up listening to the song on repeat and then killing themselves. And uh, so that was not good. But no. uh, Mark was like, yeah, that was not like it is sad, obviously, but. Not the intention it was, of the song. Yeah, the intention was not for it to be a sad song. It's not the same as um, Suicide Solution by Ozzy or um, uh, the Marilyn Manson song that supposedly um, was one of the causes of Columbine or whatever, too. But, like, right. it's a song about having depression and pulling through and not, like, just... Uh, being sad, I guess. I don't know. But right. Yeah. I mean, it has sad themes, obviously. Yes. And it's got a, a sadder tone. But you have to know, like, you have to start with that and then right. end with positive. You know, like, sure. you can't tell a story of depression and then, like, you have to start with it and then end with it gets better or whatever you want to say. Well, it's like this funny concept that, like, we would almost be like, we would almost be like, um, 
don't make sad songs like like or you just sound sad sounding songs really like it's not really a sad song ultimately but like well this kid listened to this song and it's got kind of a sad tone so i guess we should just stop making that music now it's like what are they supposed to do like i don't know i th- i think it's cool that they changed their sound a little bit so that's kind of where i'm at on it so let's go ahead and re- rewind the clock and go back to kind of their beginnings. Let's talk about that a little bit more. So, Jared, I'm sure you would like to, to talk about that a little bit more. So uh, I found a few interesting things about the band's uh, beginnings, one of them being that one of the early uh, labels that they were assigned to was called Grilled Cheese, which is fun. Nice. Um, but so Tom DeLong originally was going to uh, Poway High School in California, and he was expelled for a semester because he came to a basketball game inebriated. So that he was sent to another school, and at that school was um, Mark Hoppus and the original drummer, who they later canned for being uh, an, an alcoholic that could not be counted on, which they then wrote an entire song about. Nice. <laughs> um, but... Mark Hoppus, uh, his girlfriend was um, the brother. Her brother was the drummer, or something like that. But uh, she made him choose between the band or her, and he chose her. <laughs> and so he left the band, and then at some point came back. But it's funny that at some point he made the choice of. The girl over the band, and right. then it was like, wait, 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 hold on, I want to keep you in the band. Rewind still. that one. I changed my mind. Or maybe so, he did them both secretly. Yes. So uh, or, I'm going to leave the band. Yeah. The original drummer uh, was not. He could not uh, deal with the fa- the fame and being counted on and things. And so, as a replacement, while on tour, they had none other than Travis Barker, who was in the Aquabats at the time. Right. Which is a yeah. superhero themed punk band who we've covered on Good Band, Bad Band. I'm still disappointed by the fact that that happened. Oh, uh, that he left the Aquabats to join Blink? No, that he was in, that he was in the Aquabats at all. No, uh, I don't. I he don't had to get a start somewhere. Thought. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And like, he didn't. I mean, you're the way that you're looking at it is he sucks. Like, you know. If you listened to the Aquabats back then, you weren't like, yeah, screw that Travis Barker guy on drums. You probably didn't care. You only care because now you I have am. him in Blink-182. I am now retroactively caring, and you, I don't like it. No, whatever. Go ahead, Jared. So uh, he learned the 20-song set list in 45 minutes before the first show with Blink, which is crazy. Ta- uh, Travis Barker did. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it just shows you know how diverse their music was at that time. Yes. So, okay. um, agreed. They uh were on for their first two records, Buddha and uh, Cheshire Cat. They were on the independent label, and then there was a, a bidding war for them. Um, I, I think they were right. on different albums uh, or different labels, Buddha and Cheshire well, Cat. Well, I think that they were, I think the first one was self released, and then the other one was on uh. Uh, con no, what's it called? Oh, Cargo, I think. Yes, that's but it was correct. also called grilled cheese. Yeah, which that is fun. the reason for that is because a lot of Buddha is Cheshire Cat. I see. So may I, before you get too far yeah, from yes. that, can yes. I can I say something about sure. Cheshire Cat? Yes, Tyler. So I have that sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, this is I'm I'm gonna go with the Buddha version because it's a little bit more direct. Okay, it's the very very first guitar part of Carousel, and then I will tell you okay okay 
that resonate with you in any way, shape, or form? I mean, it sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you where from at the moment. I felt the same way for about an hour. So I couldn't fi- I couldn't find it anywhere. I could not figure out why it sounded kind of familiar to me. So I kept thinking. I could hear it in my head over and over again. I finally nailed it. I think it sounds like One Last Breath from Creed. No oh boy. Listen to the beginning of One Last Breath from Creed and tell me if you think that it's just a slowed down version of Carousel from Blink-182. Am I wrong or am I wrong? I don't know. It's it's close. I can't. I I'm not sure if that's the one still, but that's the closest no. I could find to it. There's something else. I'm. I'll have. To, there's something else. It's bothering me, but that's where that's where I landed for now. That's why I needed to know if you thought that was right. So as we have done before, listeners, this has never worked. But if you hear that guitar part and you tell us what you think it sounds like, we want to know. We need to hear about it. Anyways, Jared, Cheshire Cat Go. I didn't really like the first two at all. Like, no, I didn't. I didn't. The first one was really bad because the quality was just the singing was bad. They weren't very good at their. But it's like that is basically the start of all of the punk pop punk stuff. Like the first stuff that Fall Out Boy put out was not very well produced and really not very well made. Pretty much anything starting out in that time. So like now we have production, like when a pop punk band starts and I first hear about them, the production is higher quality because we're in a time where anybody can make a good record and make it sound good. I think there's another layer to that, which is also very relevant. I think that's because of Blink-182. I don't think that in the you know early mid-90s that people cared a whole lot about pop punk in the yeah. same way. No, you know, true. Really, you had Green Day yes. with Dookie, and yes. that was yep. even more punk than you know what blink 182 would then that's do. true but nobody else but had really made blink or green day had done some stuff before dookie though right like the uh, yeah. uh independent release sure what i'm saying is is that pop punk didn't really matter at, in you know 1994 was it was that when that no, thank you yeah they so started 94, 92 yeah. so you know around that time it didn't really matter so like is a is a label gonna sign you for having nothing and making music nobody cares about? No, they're not going to sign you. But now, it's hot sauce. You anyway, me. I should stop eating it. Um, now, if you look at it, like, of course a pop punk band would be able to have some high production and get signed to a label because they can look back and say, oh, yeah, Blink-182 was able to do it, so why wouldn't they be able to do it again? So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it makes sense. I don't know, but go on. I don't like it either. Yeah, Tyler, I, did you? How did you feel about it? About the early work, Buddha and Cheshire Cat specifically, because I think that the next album, I mean, kind of got better um, with um, Dude Ranch. I had Dude Ranch on CD. I think it improved. It improved. It wasn't great. No. Um, I love Damn It. That's a great song. It's a good song. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah. I don't. I think that. I mean, I don't. I don't think that the first two were. Uh, off off base honestly myself i mean when you listen to the cheshire cat version of carousel that's the tonality of pop punk you know in the early like, 90s yeah 
I mean, even in the later in their career, they don't change the guitar sounds any or anything. Like that's the sound that they have for the, the entirety of their career, really, until you get to uh, the self-titled, where they kind of, I mean, they do do a little bit different things up to that point, but really, the self-titled is where they start to play around with some more effects on the guitar and making things kind of more dramatically different, in my opinion. And it's of course their last real album before they disbanded initially. So I, par- I don't know. I partially I don't think the dis- songs on these. What's that? I partially disagree with you though because like um some of the signatures of pop punk were there for Cheshire Cat and Dude Ranch but like once you get to Enema of the State like the production is amped up like times a thousand uh there's a lot more clarity in the way that the notes and the you know everything that's being played is so even if like some of like the you know the guitar patterns and stuff are kind of similar they don't sound the same you know because it's different it, it sounds different because of the way that it's produced so I would agree that a lot of like, you know, the chord choices is probably the same, probably like, you know, how they strum the guitar. But like, it's hard to say that Cheshire Cat and Enema of the State are similar musically because they're really not to me. I mean, so now tonally they are, though. That's where I'm getting at. I mean, the, the difference between uh, um what you can do in the studio with production work. Sure. I mean, one is obviously a little cleaner than the other one in the state is significantly cleaner and the guitar work starts to change a little bit as well because the guitar work gets a little more complex, but the tonality of things, the way that they're going about it is not dramatically different. I mean, right from the beginning of Cheshire Cat, it sounds like Blink-182. If you played that song for me, like I don't even, I'm not even familiar with Carousel, even though I, I've read that it's a staple in their, in the live, uh, in their live set, Mm-hmm. If you played the Cheshire Cat version of Carousel, it would I would be like, this sounds like Blink One Eighty Two instantly. That's fair. You know, it's 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 the tonality of it. Like they're very, it's very treble heavy guitars, and it's just and it's like there's an abrasiveness to it. That's and it, but I mean it follows along on Dude Ranch. I mean, Dude Ranch is like the the master of that early stuff, and then once they clean up, is really partially. I wonder if it's not a a. a, a it's not only just a decision of like making having more money or being better at production, but when they begin to be a little more intricate on the guitar work, you might as well clean it up because if not, you're going you're not going to be able to hear it. So perhaps that's part of the decision. That's fair. There, you know, perhaps it's not just a one sided decision of let's make it sound better in terms of production because it's like the messiness on Dude Ranch is not like horrible and it makes sense with punk. It fits right in with what they're doing. Right. You know, and I really don't find it to be overbearing. I've never listened to Dude Ranch and been like, this is so messy. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, it makes sense to me. It's you know, fu- I it's just funny think when they clean up is when they start to become more intricate. It's funny too, because like, so I was talking to Donnie, um, former former guest on the show, um, and we were talking about pop punk, just in general, the concept of pop punk. And we both kind of agreed in that pop punk is really one of the weirdest combinations if you think about it in music, because pop is all about, you know, um, repetition and, you know, uh, uh, hooks and all this kind of stuff and kind of a clean sound. And then punk, you know, punk definitely has the um, the repetition piece of things because they often play, you know, repetitive chords and they don't, you know, diversify things a whole lot in punk. But other than that, like it's noisy, it's loud, it's aggressive. It just feels like those two are like polar opposites. Kind of like what I said was, is that, you know, something that makes sense is like hardcore punk where it's like, here's this loud thing. Let's make it meaner and louder. That makes sense. But then it's like, here's this loud and mean thing. 
let's clean it up so it sounds like we can put it on the radio. That doesn't jive as well. So it's no. odd hearing something like Damn It, like the song that Jared mentioned, when you think about the fact that it's got, you know, kind of a driving punk riff to it, but it is kind of poppy and catchy in a lot of ways. Well, I think it's, I mean, you. I don't think you would have pop punk without post-hardcore because post-hardcore begins to in, make more intricate melodies off of uh, hardcore punk. And they begin to like, I mean, there's a reason they called, I don't agree with it as you know, but there's a reason a lot of people end up calling post-hardcore emo is because there's more, there's more to the lyrics. There's more political or emotional or like reflective type things. I don't think right. you can, I don't think that that would come about, you know, when you morph something that's more digestible, you kind of get pop punk to an extent. I think that makes sense. So I, I think that like, really it comes from the changes in punk in the late eighties into the early nineties. And I don't, I think it makes plenty of sense that like as post hardcore begins to just do its thing, someone said i can take some of it. for instance i was looking earlier and i saw a picture of travis barker in a fugazi shirt and i'll admit that it disappoints me but whatever oh well you but, know that uh when they started boxcar racer tom and travis said that they got their inspiration from um, uh, listening to refused in fugazi for that there you go it's true so that like that just, was what they that was what they were influenced by for the boxcar yeah, I, racer I just, lp i think it's impossible for them not to have been i just think that that's I think that going from post-hardcore to pop-punk, as hard as it may be for me to say, is pretty easy to see. You know, if you polish things to a degree, make them more radio-friendly and more accessible, you kind of get you kind of get it. I'd like you to know, now. I'd like to now talk about something that I got really deep in the weeds of early in the week on, because uh -huh. uh, I think this is a good place for it to fit. Is that they're not just pop-punk, but a lot of their early stuff, especially. Uh, Cheshire Cat and Dude Ranch not as much when you get to like an enemy of the state or take off your pants and jacket but it still had some of those elements but uh, skate punk sure is what some people have like kind of classified I it saw as. that yeah. on a so, and that's also an interesting place to go because hardcore punk was technically skate punk as well right but you know. here's the thing where I got in the weeds okay yes what is my marker uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. That's the one. Yep. So that is my all-time marker for what makes something skate punk. Uh -huh. Now, I'm going to read you a short list. Oh, boy. Very short list. Doesn't seem that right. Sounds good. Bands with two songs in the entire series of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I went through every single game and then later realized there was a website that had already done this and I was mad at myself. But I went through every game to find who had been featured on albums. These are bands with two songs in the series. Joy Division and the Doors. These are just some notable names that have had songs with, oh, just one song in the series. We have Frank Sinatra, Johnny Cash, Bill Withers, The Cure, and The Beach Boys, who are surf rock mm -hmm. in a skate punk game. And then also, my favorite part, there is a song from Plus 44 and Angels and Airwaves in two separate games, no songs from Blink-182. Oh, my. How did that happen? Tony Hawk didn't like them. That had to be it. That's what I'm saying. There's They're... some kind of beef between Tony Hawk and Travis Barker, and we have to figure it out. That's what I'm saying. That is Hawk where I'm in the weeds. Because, like, every other punk band, like, every other punk band has somewhere been featured within Tony Hawk in some capacity to the I point Travis... that Plus 44 and Angels and Airwaves are featured. So, like... Yeah. Where's the issue? Because they're in those I heard, bands. 
I heard Travis Barker was always a big Bucky Lasik fan anyway. That's it. Mm. That's it. I bet they're in the Matt Hoffman games. Actually, <laughs> I, I asked it, about that. It was, uh, oh gosh, it was one of the games. It was like maybe like a, man, I can't remember now. They it have been matter. featured in one of those kinds of soundtracks. Mm. Like another like extreme sport game. Remember when we had, we had a, a game on PlayStation 1 that was uh, Scooters? Yeah, oh, I love that game. That was game. a good game. Right I'll there. never. It had a good soundtrack game. too, but it I don't did. remember what it's called. I'll never find that game. Uh, no. But yeah, that's. I just thought it was funny the idea that like you have a skate punk band, like they're classified as skate punk, and I'm not necessarily arguing that their music didn't sound kind of skate punk early on, but like something that puts punk and skate punk and underground <laughs> hip hop and so on and so forth onto their soundtrack is like, no, nah, we don't want Blink One Eight Two. No, thank you. They were on MTV Sports Snowboarding in nice. 1999. That's what it was, snowboarding. Nice. Snowboarding. So a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, one of them is the name of the band. So the name, there's a, so a bit of discussion on how to pronounce the name of the band. So I've always called them Blink-182 because that's how I first heard that. Uh, there's also 182. Uh uh, uh, James Corden, the British talk show host, said that you should really call them Blink 182, which right. would theoretically make sense because that's the actual number that they're using. 182 is a weird pronunciation of the name. One eight, 182 is another, which is weird. So I don't know. There's some debate. Um, I don't think they ever really like talked about it as a group necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I saw a thing where I think it was Mark Hoppus was basically like, uh, actually, the B should be not capitalized. That was the thing that he took, is that it shouldn't. I don't capitalize the B. That's actually stylistically how they put it, is like with no capital B. So I was like, okay. Hmm. Um, if I remember correctly, I might be mixing things up because we've talked about so many things. Yes. Wasn't it a case that they were going to just be Blink? And Blink was like the original name on Cheshire Cat. But I think there was another band from another country or something that was named Blink, and they had to kind of fight for the name, and they lost. Mm. So they had to add something into the album. So they just threw 182 onto the album later. Mm. So there That's are copies true. of Blink-182, Cheshire Cat, that just say Blink on it. I see. Yeah, that is the original. That Your story sense. is factual. So uh, I, I, another thing I found that was interesting, and this will, uh, I will... I want Tyler to tell me what it makes him think of. For the album Buddha... Uh, yeah. Their uh, Mark Hoppus was working at a record store uh, called the Warehouse, and his boss Pat Secor ended up signing him to the his label named Filter Records, and he pulled money from his savings and helped finance and produce that demo of Buddha. Now, what does that make you think of, Tyler? Hmm. I don't know. High Fidelity. Remember he had his oh, own record course. store and of he course. signed those kids that he were skaters? <laughs> That's those what it made me thought. I read that. I was like, this is High Fidelity. That's, That's great. That's true. I was actually <laughs> just talking to our Rob. cousin. So I was actually talking to a um, friend of the show, John, earlier this week. And we were talking about the movie High Fidelity. And I had basically said, like, I'm pretty sure that I've said things from that movie. He said... Um, Let's see. So I said, okay, so what I said was our goal is to actively try and make people feel inferior to us. That's the whole point of the podcast. And he said, like, John Cusack and Jack Black and High Fidelity. And I said, I'm undeniably Jack Black in that film in the worst possible way. I'm fairly confident. I've unironically said at least one of the lines he said prior to seeing the movie. Oh, we've all said stuff like 
from that movie. For sure. Another thing I want to talk about is the song Stay Together for the Kids, which is a song about um, a divorce. And uh, I read this thing from somebody that um, did a review for Billboard magazine, and they called the song... Uh, it, they said it remains compelling throughout, and it they suggested it could be a MacArthur Park or Hey Jude within the band's catalog, oh, which is goodness. hilarious. And the only time I've ever seen them referred to in the same as the Beatles. I actually made a mistake. Can I say something, Tyler, and you fix it later? Sure. Thank you. Uh, I mixed things up because I was talking to two people at the same time, and it would be cruel of me to not fix this one. <clears throat> I also have a memory of my mom sitting my dad down at our computer when I was a child and her showing my dad the music video for Stay Together for the Kids. Oh, it is so Do you remember that? No. Oh, my gosh. What? Yeah. I don't understand any of it. Like, none of that makes any sense because they stayed married for another, like, eight years. <laughs> was it, like, her saying this is what we need to do? I don't know was it, what this the is point a of it cool was. song? Was it trying to say our kids are listening to Blink-182? I to don't know any about- of that. Listen, here's what I know is if you listen to the lyrics. Let me read them on this YouTube video. Our kids shouldn't be listening to this music. I don't know. I just remember it. And it could be a dream. But I, I remember it happening. And I just don't. I think that she was trying to like make a point of maybe they should fix their failing marriage. But Who would have used Blink-182 <laughs> for that? What a weird person to send that message with us through Blink-182. That's pretty good. recent song, Quarantine, ah. which is a very odd person to receive the message about being in a quarantine, especially in the way that they approach it like backwards throughout the song. Mm-hmm. Like Sometimes they'll say things that are like, yeah, quarantine sucks. I don't want to be in quarantine. I shouldn't have to be in quarantine. And then other parts of the song, they say things that's like the, you know, put on your mask, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's like you get yeah. confused I, I in the song almost. About. It's confusing. That song's confusing. I agree. I didn't like I that song. I'm, I'm glad it wasn't on the album. They're supposedly putting out an EP at some point this year uh, of quarantine theme songs. It's funny. A whole I, EP? I don't know. I don't know. That song does not feature Matt Skiba because he didn't have a way to record at home, supposedly. Is that crazy? How is he at this point in his career where he can't record anything at home? <laughs> Especially because like, it wouldn't have been that hard to like get it. Like, <laughs> hey, I think we're in a quarantine. I've been in it for months. Maybe I should go ahead and pick up, like, I don't know, anything to record from at home. You think they like sporadically recorded it? Like, oh, yeah, they decided to record it that day and I didn't have anything. Which reminds me, there was no planning or something ahead of time, you know. Which reminds me, actually, of an interesting fact. Jared, did you see about the movie Neighborhoods that they actually recorded that like away from each other? Yes, and it was like a difficult thing for them. Yeah, because basically, Tom DeLonge was like, "Yeah, we're gonna record this," like because we we're all busy, we have families, all this kind of stuff. Yes. So then Tom is the one who's uh, who's understanding about it. Yes. And um, we need to move uh, along because there's so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about. But anyways, yeah, Tom. Tom basically was the reason that they recorded in separate places, which is kind of what makes the album sound a little bit more disjointed. I thought it was a pretty good album, Neighborhoods. I I like um from it um but i do see what they're talking about with the disconnect because it was all recorded separately so right like you can kind of i don't know if you, you can't really hear it but hearing that that is the case it does hurt that album a little bit yeah but i will say um uh, it might not be my favorite song by them but it is the one that i went to the most. 
I mean, like the pop, the popular stuff is all great. And sure. like I, if you go to uh, this is Blink One Eighty Two on their like little playlist on Spotify, you can listen to it for like twelve songs in a row, and you're like, okay, this is all good. Right. But I want to play up all night. I think that's a really good song. Sounds good. That actually, I think that was my favorite from that. That was indeed my favorite song from the album, yes. So uh, I, it popped up, that music video popped up on my YouTube as like a recommended or whatever, and I watched it. And uh, one of the comments said something like, Tom saying demons is everything. <laughs> it's so uh, funny. The way he says demons. It's pretty funny. And so I went back and listened a couple times like, he does say demons funny. Yeah, he does. So. Uh, what I found odd about that album so they've existed for a long time, and obviously, like Blink One Eighty Two is one of those groups that like we kind of grew up with, you yes. know. I, I want to talk about that a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. And, yourself. Hmm, oh, I know. I'm, I guess that's true. Yeah, I was looking at Jared when I said it. Not Tyler. Tyler didn't grow up with this. Me and Jared grew up. With we might have. He might have. I don't know. I didn't want to. I grew up around it, and I refused it. Yeah, you grew up around it. You definitely grew, didn't grow up in it. Yeah. Um, but like you know, this was music that was coming out when we were younger and getting into music. In a lot of ways, like, you know, the funny thing is, is that really there were two places that we got a lot of our music from Mm -hmm. at that point in time. Yes. For me, it was Tony Hawk Pro Skater Games, as I already mentioned a million times. Yes. And now CDs. Yes. And that's where it's weird to me is that I didn't learn about Blink-182 from the Tony Hawk games. Yeah. I learned about them from now CDs. I know. That's why I wrote that down, too, because I was thinking about that. Uh, The one-two punch of Blink-182, the rock show and some 41 uh fat lip on uh-huh. that now 8 cd oh, yeah. is like you know it's funny because when i think about those now cd's like those are the songs and that is the stuff i go back to right but it could have been like the pop stuff for us you know, like you know sure. what i mean like it, it was for a lot of people like the a lot of people the first 80 percent of those cd's were all like current pop and hip-hop stuff and then the near tail and then yeah like four songs at the end were always whatever rock songs were on at the time and so sometimes it was u2 yeah sometimes it was chevelle and then other times it was blink and some 41 yeah but yeah those are the ones i always gravitated towards we would rewind we would fast forward the cd until we got to those points like we didn't really care about i mean we listened to some of the pop songs when we found some pop songs that we found interesting yes we had a little cd case that had all of them in order in it yeah i got that for my birthday yeah that somebody burnt them for me as a birthday (laughs) gift which is hilarious (laughs) to think about like yeah like i'm gonna legally give you this music for your birthday happy birthday i think i was like 12 or something you know like I we mean, were young we had yeah, there were, had been a lot of those cds that come out and every time that they would come out she would like give me the cd to put in the case or whatever i actually think i could tell you what year that was yeah really quickly but another thing i remember it was 2003 you were 11 i see the reason i know that actually yes you it would have been your 11th birthday the reason for that is because the last one in that little binder 
was now 13. Yep. I don't know why I remember it was that, yep. but that is what I remember. So that was, it was yep. your 11th Another uh, thing of them that uh, is a, a thing that was important for their careers was MTV and TRL. They were featured on TRL pretty prominently. I remember them like um, on that. And I think that's another one of the things that I remember. But I it was a little bit too young for their peak, you know, the 99 to 2001-ish era. I mean, I got like the um, the rock show was a song I listened to a lot. We got the now CD version of it, but um, you know, like the the songs that people know, like um, all the small things. Like I don't really remember that being. Like I know that it's their biggest song, sure, but I don't remember knowing it when it was their time of being like the most popular thing. But right, like they're one of the few punk bands that have had a number one album. Like they've right. had two number one albums, two. and um, I'm. The Take Off Your Pants and Jacket album that came out in 2001 debuted at number one, and it sold 14 million copies worldwide. Right. And then their next album, uh, Blink, the self-titled, debuted at number three and sold 7 million. And then their next number one uh, was California, which only sold 635,000 worldwide. And that just yeah. – it just totally shows, like, the way that the record labels have changed – like, how record sales have changed. It's, in, like, insane. That a record can sell fourteen million and be number one, and six hundred thousand and be number one in right. like a different decade. It's wild. So the thing I was, I, we got kind of off track, which is fine. Um, but the point of what I was gonna say was, was that you know we grew up with a lot of Blink One Eighty Two's music, right? So a group around for Tyler grew up around we were born in an era where this music was popular when we were young. Uh huh. It's true. So. It was. During that period of time, because I knew that they were important, I had visited all of their albums at some point when I was younger, because mm -hmm. that was a point in time where I was getting into that kind of music and trying to learn about that kind of music. So there was a point in time where I had listened to, um, you know, Cheshire Cat and, you know, their self-titled, Take Off Your Pants, so on and so forth. I've listened to all those albums. And then when I've been getting more into music was kind of like uh, not getting more into, but trying to diversify what albums I was listening to was around the point in time when California came out, which was around 2016, 2017. So the reason I'm mentioning all this is because I'd never listened to Neighborhoods, and it's the only Blink-182 album I'd never listened to until this week. And I had totally forgot Tom Long was on it. Mm. Completely forgot. I thought yeah. that when they came back together, that he just was never a part of it. So they just did Neighborhoods without him. Mm. So I never had any interest in going to that album because I was like, yeah, it's not going to have Tom on it, so who cares? It's not really them. Yeah. So, but it did. But I it think did. time had passed too much for because I remember that album coming out, but I didn't really. When I looked at the track list, I didn't really remember any songs. But it wasn't until I saw the video for Up All Night just a, like a week ago when I decided I wanted to do Blink that I knew I recognized that song. And then the other single from it I recognized as well. But listening to the album, I knew some songs. Like, it's interesting because, like, with this week, on the self-titled Blink-182, like, um, the song uh, Always was a song that I remembered. The yep. song Down was a song I remembered. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, even their lesser-known singles were ones that I was like, I like, you know, like, it kind of, it. I liked that I picked it after I recognized more songs, I mm -hmm. guess. Well, know? I think that we had some kind of, like, Greatest Hits-ish album at one point. I don't remember that, but I know what you're talking about. Somewhere. I can't remember, but I know that we had, like, that's how I knew Damn It. That's yeah. how I knew uh, Feeling This. That's how I knew a lot of the songs. 
That's I a good li- song too. I listened to something that had a lot of the hits like mm-hmm. throughout it, but I don't even remember that they never had a like an actual greatest hits, did they? I'm sure they did at some point. Early on though? I don't know. It doesn't I doubt matter. It. So uh, we should go ahead because uh, their greatest hits would have been in 05 that had a greatest hits. That would have been it then. So that's when I probably was listening to that stuff. So I would have been you know, like 12, 13 listening to a Blink-182 greatest hits album. So that's probably why I know a lot of those lesser known hits. So um, we're, we're getting pretty deep in this episode. So Tyler, why don't you go ahead and tell me your favorite song that you found right. throughout the show? We'll do it. I don't, as you I could probably guess, I'm not sure I have a favorite song, but I do have a song I want you to play. Sure. Because I really like the guitar part of it. I think the guitar part's fun, and that's Dump Weed. funny the dumpweed song because like it's an odd opener to enema of the state because mm-hmm. it doesn't really sound a whole lot like the guitar work they would have had on cheshire cat or dude ranch but then it also doesn't really sound like the guitar work they had on the rest of enema of the state either you yeah know? it's kind of weird i like the guitar part though i think it's kind of fun although the very like before the second guitar comes in just the very beginning of it does remind me of something that could be like uh, an opening to a mid-2000s um sitcom so ah i can see that but it's all kind of interesting yeah um i do have a that sounds familiar i could do it now or i could do it in a little bit later i let's know we're it. getting near the end so let's go ahead let's do it now all right so mine is i want you to go ahead and play this is from california the song the only thing that matters Now I'm going to have you go back 20 years to 1996. This is from Real Big Fish's Turn the Radio Off. Now, you know, for normal pop punk people, maybe they don't listen to 90s ska. Maybe they're unfamiliar. You know, maybe they don't know this entire album quite as well as I do. So perhaps they never heard it, but I want you to play the song All I Want Is More. Your that sounds familiar was way better than my that sounds familiar. That's the best thing it's you brought. It's pretty much weeks. the same thing right there. Gosh, why are you being <laughs> that mean? Was good. That was good. That was good. That was good. Could have what did you that. say? I didn't even hear you, Jared. Go no, ahead. well, it's good. That's what I said. He said that's good. That's it. all he said was that's good. Mm-hmm. I like it that. is good. Somehow I'm going to retroactively it. cut it out before he even gets to the episode. I heard it. <laughs> Don't. Did I you hear it, Jared? He said. Yeah, I heard it. I heard Exactly what you were want, wanting me to hear, and I did. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's it? pretty on the nose. What was what? I heard the the same vocal inflection of uh, yeah. Skiba and the same and the same words. Yeah, same yep. words. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously a reference, but it could be. I don't know if it's uh, credited or you know, I don't know. I've never heard of blank stealing stuff like that, but yeah. 
Me uh, either. Well, when it, when I heard it, I was like, are they about to sing the whole chorus? I thought they were going to be as angry fun. as Real Big Fish were and everything, but they weren't. They weren't as angry. Can't be it. No. What did you uh, enjoy revisiting the song "All of This" off of the uh, self-titled that features Robert Smith of The Cure? Oh Remember what? Uh, so fucking. Bad. Listen, it was brought up to me earlier this week already because I told someone we were doing it, and it was already brought up that he was in it. And I'm just like, I know, I know, <laughs> and I, I did not enjoy revisiting it. I'll admit to you, it's a weird thing. Like if you look at their discography, like to put him in there on their fourth or fifth or whatever you want to call it, depending on if you count uh, Buddha or not. Um, it's just weird that, cause it's like towards the end of the album and mm-hmm. they've never done anything like that before, yeah. but I guess it was like that album was more experimental. Sure. I think that and it had a bit of a darker tone too. And it's like probably one of up to that point, it was their most complete album as like, it's an actual album. Right. So they had interlude songs. They had songs that went into songs and which is interesting because you have when you listen to a single and the end of the song, you're like expecting the next song to start. Yeah, that's weird. Fall Out Boy is the same way for me when I listen to stuff from uh, from Under the Cork Tree, where s- song if you listen to one song separately, a lot of times they go into the next song. But when you cut that out, yeah. you're just like, okay, now here's just a new like right, on right. shuffle or whatever. So yeah, I uh I did not like. The self-titled album a long time ago when I revisited it, I liked it a little more, but I'm still not a fan. I know that I can't remember the name of the song, but there's one of those songs that kind of sounds like them like putting on a cure kind of thing. And Tom DeLong is singing about a spider. Oh yeah. I don't remember what exactly song it is. Is that I think it's down. Yeah, I think down? it's down. Let's see if I can find it real quick. I think it's down, but I, I think I know where it is too. Snake Charmer. Off of uh, Neighborhoods. Was it Neighborhoods? Yes. Oh, my bad. I didn't like that part. That was just the wrong album, I guess. My bad. I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's a weird... He does a weird thing. But if it's not... it's not, Still. The, the last thing I want to talk about that I had set aside to talk about was the... It's very rare you find uh, somebody progressing so much in their life they go from like an idea to a, their entire life being about it. And I want to talk about the song Aliens Exist. Oh my God, here we go. And I yep. also want to talk about the fact that Tom DeLong is currently searching for aliens. And uh, one of the videos that he had for this company that he started was uh, given to the uh, like NSA and they declassified like, Three videos that Tom DeLong had put out as confirmation of what they d- identified as UFOs or UDA UDOs. Sure, it's just like it's weird. They had that infatuation. Crazy. He's had that infatuation basically his entire life, right? And so they wrote a song called "Aliens Exist," which is about that. Yeah, early in their life. Yeah, and now he is actively doing that and And, like he quit various parts of his musical career for this and it's been his passion for a long time he basically said that like he (laughs) thinks this is what he was born for yes i saw is to find aliens like and sasquatch i believe he's also looking for sasquatch oh is he into that too sasquatch is less likely than we would have found him by now i feel like 
like ocean animals, I get it. Ocean's deep, dude. Like ocean's real deep. If you find a new fish, it's like, oh yeah, I guess we don't live underwater to find all these freaking fish. Mm. Like if there's just like some big fat like like gorilla looking thing Uh just walking around the woods, Uh somebody would have seen him other than that weird fuzzy photo. At this point, here's well my very brief thing I'll say about Sasquatch. Sure, let's hear it. I think that the possibility of Sasquatch existing at that time is low but possible that that it was an isolated creature but the chance of sasquatch now being alive that same sasquatch is not there it's too old right it that that animal not being seen for all that time like most likely whoever took that picture killed sasquatch and just ate it oh god and then there were no other sasquatches that's possible hmm. that's the theory. why why wouldn't you sell it sasquatch meat would be the most expensive meat <laughs> There's one of a kind, huh. one of a kind meat we got here. Uh, only thing I want to say, I'll, yes. I'll pretend like I'm saying, does anybody have any closing thoughts? But oh, no, okay. we're not. Yeah, don't say um, that anymore. Yeah, I know, right? Um, is that I find it odd the place that they're all in now. Mm. So, like you're saying, Tom DeLong now hunts for aliens. Yes, Mark he, Hoppet. He also, hmm? Go ahead. He also produces a TV show about it. Does he a whole show? Yeah, unidentified inside America's UFO investigation. Wasn't it on? Also occa- what's it on? A and E or history appears on it. What was that? On? Did you see what it, where it's on? Because I read yeah, that it was on, it was on Sky at one point, but I think History Channel has shown some of it. Yeah, maybe, the, maybe they picked it up cool for the second if he season. He became a meme like that guy with the weird hair. Yeah, and his like he will be become a meme twice. But for two different things, that would be cool. You know so what? Like I, you're you a know, music want... meme, and then you become a history channel meme. You say that, Jared, but I hope you realize that his meme could duel up. Let me play it now. Duel up? Oh yeah, my. you'll see. What do you got? Where are you? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, my. <laughs> Next week on Aliens. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> Jeez. I'm so sorry. Okay. Uh, any anything? Oh, I didn't even finish my fucking thought. Anyways, yeah. um, I find it interesting where all of the members are. Tom DeLonge is looking for aliens. Mark Hoppus is doing like almost the exact same thing in the exact same band, but with just one other different guy. And now he's 47 years old, still singing songs about being in t- like high school. Uh-huh. And then Travis Barker is probably the most like like acclaimed relevant. Yeah, yeah. out of all of them, yep. like. The drummer is the guy who's making music with Machine Gun Kelly in 2020. Yep. Like, Mark Hoppus isn't doing that. No. Tom DeLonge's not doing that. No, Tom DeLonge's out of the picture, basically, in music. Like, nobody has cared about Angels and Airwaves in a very long time. No. Um, Mark Hoppus is... One thing I do want to say very briefly about it is, like, the juvenile aspect of Blink in that, like... Uh, even on California where they wrote the song Built This Pool, yep. which I think is a fun song, but it's also like you're 40 years old and you're singing about this, right. and this is why Mark or Tom like is not wanting to be a part of this Yeah, because he's still a little oh, yeah. kid in his head. Yeah. He never grew up. And that's funny, too, because if you ever look at it, Mark was like three years older than both of them, hmm. and they were in high school. Yeah. So he's like this 21-year-old dude or something like that. I don't remember the exact age, yeah, but he's yeah, like, yeah. you know, 20, 21-year-old. He's hanging out with like 16, 17-year-olds who are in high school. He's like, let's make some high school music. And it's like, yeah, we're in high school. That makes sense. <laughs> and then like 40 years later, he's like, you guys still want to make some high school music? And it's like, yeah. stop, yeah. Mark, quit. Yeah. It's, it's over. I mean, they've been juvenile. Like uh, 
uh, Happy Holidays, You Bastards, which is a fun little song. And yeah. uh, uh, what's the one, the seven, where they sing the uh, the curse words? Uh, the shit piss fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. That's, uh, oh, I don't remember the name of that Hold one. On. I had it saved. Because it's not on, um, it is not on An Spotify. Album. Yeah. It's on a live album, actually. Uh, okay. I know we had heard it before. I put it on the end of the thing. Dead Man's Curve? No, it's not no. on that. It's at the it's at the end of. Oh, okay, okay. It was off of a live family reunion. It's what it's called. That's Thank right. You. Okay, yeah. Family reunion where it's just saying the seven worst words. The the idea of the comedy. Yes. Uh, George Carlin bit where you just say that. But we're not gonna play it here. No, but just like that. That, that, that was their. That was them work. when they were like in their twenties. Right. Uh, but now still on California that they write these little interlude songs. I want to see some naked dudes. That's why I built this pool. Uh huh. It's the whole song. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. Like, That's it. All right, you nailed it, Mark. So, I don't know. Hey, he's trying real hard. What to see naked dudes? Well, to be, he's just trying to be youthful, you know. Yes, with a naked dude. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. A bit off Tyler, base. Tyler, do you have anything else you want to say? Go about one point eighty two. All right. They are successful. I yes. can admit it. And I know they're successful because they've been on now. That's what I call music. A bunch of people like them and listen to them. They've been on various video games. But the real testament to their success is that they stood alongside names such as Sugar Ray, Len, Matchbox 20, all on the October 9th, 2001 release of the original Kids Bob album. <laughs> And you said the best. Anyways, he's good. He's good. If there are any, is there if there's any testament to their success, it is this and nothing else. That is amazing. I love that. Uh, The only thing I will say, which is in the same vein of what you just said, but less funny, is that I will also attest to their importance because Mm -hmm. I do think, and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna say that they're not worth covering. I'm not gonna say it wasn't worth us talking about these people or listening to their music. Yeah. Because when it comes down to it, and you have to be realist about this. Rock music today, just in general, would not be the same without them. Mm-hmm. In the same conversation I had about Fallout Boy, yep. and that rock music changed because of Fallout Boy, Fallout Boy wouldn't have happened without a Blink 182. They were the first successful pop punk band. Yeah. Um, it, depending on if you count Green Day in that category or not. Right. But like to have that many hit albums, record sales, they only had one hit, but um, they were. They've been talked about for a very long time, and we wouldn't have lots of people, lots of popular and you know like newfound glory, all time low, fallout boy. Like you can keep saying people in that genre that never would have existed without Blink One Eighty Two, right? And the fact that they're a trio is really cool too. Like it's interesting that like it was just the three of them and they right. were you know whatever. But Green Day style, yes. So I don't know. I, I think they are important. I agree. Obviously, I mean, I picked them and right. But I, I just wanted to listen. You know, I, sure. I probably should have. In retrospect, I could have picked Green Day first. Sure. But yeah, but you picked Fall Out Boy and then picked Blink One Eighty Two and then you picked Green Day. So it's yeah. like kind of you're kind of going step backwards, I guess. You well, know? I, sure. I, yeah, you I guess you're can... the one I'd like to actually listen to. <laughs> Fair. All right. Here's here's something I want to say real quick. If you were to guess who has a more popular song, Green Day or Blink-182, who is it? Both of them, their song is off of either Dookie or Enema of the State. Like, that's their most popular the song. The most streamed song. On Spotify. Which one is it? Green Day or Blink-182? <sighs> Probably Blink. 
I'll go with Blink as well. Green Day's song, Basket Case, has 487,887,37 listens. Okay, you don't need to do that. No, I do. Blink-182 has 489 million. They beat them by only about a million, and they both have well over 400 million That's listens. That's their most listened to? Is that what you're saying? Yes. The song from Dookie is their most listened to? Yes. That doesn't Basket make any case. sense. Right? I mean, yeah, I guess. I it's feel like American Idiot is that like... Song. That, that song's been pretty heavily commercialized. But I feel really. like American Idiot is like a bigger... They were way more commercial at that time. Right. American sure. Idiot as an album is way, way bigger than Dookie. Sale, like, Dookie's just been around longer and it's more um, influential. But both of them have been around the same amount of time that Spotify has. You know, like I know, it, I know. Like, they yeah. would have both come yeah. in later, it's so weird. it doesn't yeah, matter. That's weird. But that song is their second most popular song. Okay. But not the point. Anyways, anything else we want to say at this point? No, I thought, a, uh, we covered I, a lot here at the yeah, end. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. It's there fun. is, yeah. There was a lot, so... I'm um, I'm pleased with the episode. I'm glad it was you my are. pick. Glad you are. I will say now because I was going to do this. I did this on Good Band Bad Band. I'm going to do it here as well. If you're wanting to, uh, or if you've ever even slightly considered or have listened to an episode and said to myself, "This is stupid. Why am I doing this?" Um, we do have a Patreon, and for December we're going to be doing strictly bonus episodes here on Record Roundtable, and we would like people to get involved in those bonus episodes, and that's where you can do that. Go to our Patreon, and you can be kind of involved in those bonus episodes. I don't want people to miss out on those, like, because I'd rather people who wanted to share opinions on this show would get to for those episodes. So, you know, uh, the next one that we're doing, just to wet you whistle, um, we're going to be talking about our favorite groups that we've covered uh, throughout this year of Rick Roundtable. We did that last year. We're going to do it again. And then the next episode, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite albums that have been released this year. So from there, you know, if you feel like those are two things you'd like to talk about, that's already something that you can do via us. Have your voice heard digitally through our episode. So if you're wanting to check it out, patreon.com slash record roundtable. I don't like to make ads, but we're done. I want to end this with a question. Go for it. This, has anyone ever really wondered that maybe some people just don't want their whistle wet? Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. We've been talking about Blink-182, and next week we're going to have a bonus episode. So please listen to our bonus episodes, and don't ignore us for an entire month. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.